You're listening to Shit Happens When You Party Naked. You would never believe that I've been doing this for more than a year. We said it was something simple. What the fuck, man? Low voice, I was in the crib when my balls dropped. Earthquake when they hit, bro, they split rocks. Now my girl's hotter than that summer asphalt. If she turned me down, God knows that it's her loss. Ready to do this shit, honey? I am, honey. Yeah, let's fuck some shit up. Schnookums. Schnookums. Oh, you even heard the fizzing. Yeah, you can hear that fizzing. That's the fizzing of a fresh cherry Coke Zero Sugar. It has caffeine though, right? It does have caffeine. I'll have just a small sip. As you yawn to the mic, I love it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Shit Happens When You Party Naked. I'm your host. My name is Jason Almy. With me, I got my beautiful baby girl, my lovely wife, my pregnant mother-to-be, my co-host, Christina Almy. What's up, girl? Hey. You got what I need. <laughs> yeah. You doing all right? I'm doing good. Take two in this bitch. I love it. <laughs> I love it. This one with a little more energy. Yeah, this one's a little bit better. We're not as tired. We're not as cranky. cranky. Yeah. We timed that pretty well. Good thing we practiced that. I think we both know it was me who was cranky. Well, you you have a perfectly valid excuse. In my opinion, the pregnancy is a valid excuse for being a little bit of cranky, especially since you've been kind of tired lately. I haven't been sleeping great. And so it's a recipe for crank. Definitely is. I'm prone to crank anyways. You're already prone to crank, and now we've put your crank on steroids, basically, with the pregnancy. We have. And the lack of sleep and everything else. It's tough. I mean, it's kind of amazing you haven't murdered me in my sleep yet. I know, and then I get a migraine today. I'm just striking out. Yeah, you are just... What's that saying? Batting batting zero or something? Batting zero? Yeah. Yeah. Is that what it is, the saying? I guess. I don't know. That's what it feels like. Yeah. I guess that's true. (laughs) Yeah, we should look that one up. Batting 100, that would be what we would sarcastically say. That's what it is, batting 100. You're batting 100. Yeah, which is bad, right? Batting 100 is when you are not doing perfectly, so you are batting 100, as in baseball, where you would be batting 1,000. Life isn't baseball, get over it, it's just a metaphor. I don't, I don't even, Urban Dictionary is not really helping with that. Particularly, let's just skip past that yeah. motherfucker right there. Yeah. Appreciate you guys listening to this shit. I want to say what's up to the Inner Circle Podcast Network. HTNOS, Sam PC, Hood Diner, Plunge Podcast. Shit happens when you party naked. You already know what it is, motherfuckers. We're coming for you. Inner Circle. You can't hide. You can't last a minute. Todd, Seamus, I'm coming at you, bro. Yes. Guys, normally she agrees with me much more. Normally she's much more agreeable. But, no, I am uh, not. Tonight, I'm just, I'm wrong about everything. And, uh, this is what you have to look forward to when you get your wife pregnant, by the way, is you turn into an even bigger asshole than you were before. Because it's not like I wasn't an asshole before. I was an asshole before who never shut the fuck up. And now I'm an asshole who never shuts the fuck up, who's wrong about everything. Anyway, we have a uh, very fascinating guest today. Let's take that one again. Let's take that one from the top. We have a very fascinating guest today. We have a very fascinating guest today. Thank you, Christina. What's the name of our guest? Sally Cohn. Sally Cohn. And what does Sally Cohn do? She's a, a writer and an activist. Yes. Yeah. And she wrote The Opposite of Hate. A Field Guide to Repairing Our Humanity. That yeah. she did. And I've recently read her book and I truly enjoyed it. I hope everybody goes out and checks out her book. Do it. 
Do it, motherfuckers. I said do it. Check out the motherfucking book. Do it. Do it. You won't regret it. And if you do, write me some hate mail. I don't care. Tweet at me, bro. If you don't like the book, what do you want from me? What do you want? What do you want from me? So um, as you mentioned, Sally Cohn is the author of The Opposite of Hate. That book I will link to in our uh, show notes so you can you can check out a copy of that if you like. Um, the, the book is essentially about Sally Cohn's exploration of this kind of landscape of hate in the U.S. mostly. She does interview several of her Twitter trolls, her real-life Twitter trolls, in the book. Really? Yeah, she does. She speaks with some of her real-life Twitter trolls to just kind of, not to rebuke them as much as to get an idea of like, what makes you get on Twitter and call me names? I mean, no one's pulling any punches on Sally Cohn online, unfortunately. In some ways, being such a public figure as she is, she is unfortunately kind of a magnet for it. I think anybody in a public sphere, she's also previously a commentator on Fox News. She's currently a commentator for CNN. So she does political commentary. And as a liberal, of course, there is going to be this sea of conservatives who uh, disagree with her political standpoints. Mm -hmm. And so... As a as a as a uh, figure in the media, I think it's probably not surprising that anyone who opposes her politically is uh, is going to be maybe a potential candidate right. for for some. Well, that's different. It is a really pretty interesting uh, swath of of the hate landscape that she cuts. So it's it's like big and small, you know. Because I think a lot of people might think, well, a little. Twitter hate. I mean, what's the big deal? Somebody calls you a dick bag on Twitter. It happens to me every day. Does it? Well, in in fun though. Typically, I mean, I usually laugh. <laughs> even if even if they're serious, it amuses me. Sometimes even more so when they're serious, it amuses me. I'll but, kill him. Well, watch out for my wife, guys. She is pregnant and she's feisty now. She will fuck you up if you piss her off. I wouldn't do that if I were you. But um, she really, it's a really fascinating book. All about the uh, the impact that these feelings of hate have in our lives. Of course, I think for most of us, it's really relevant to things like civil discourse. Like we don't really have to deal with terrorists on a day to day basis. Thankfully, like that's not a part of our everyday. But something that is a part of our everyday landscape is the uh, maybe the stuff that's kind of a little bit under the surface and maybe a little bit more subtle. Um, and a little bit more pernicious as a result, misogyny, racism, um, Mm -hmm. other forms of classism, et cetera, as well as just plain old being dickheads to each other, online rudeness and other things that are uncalled for. There's a lot of bullying that goes on. There's a lot of hate, I think, out there. Yeah. Do you think so? I think so. I don't, I I think I tend to be kind of an optimist. I see it sort of like a kind of a rose-colored glasses type of view, but but Sally sure does get a shit ton of hate mail, um, apparently. I mean, if you read the book, it sounds like, and she gets some pretty nasty shit. She re- uh, reprints some of the things that some folks have said about her in this book, and it's it's like, wow, holy fuck. Like, has somebody said that to you? And they don't, I mean, just perfect stranger, like you're a dyke or whatever. It's like, holy fuck, how do you, how do you say that to a perfect stranger? Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, it happens. It does happen all over the internet. And I think it does too. Um, People, I think, are more readily, or they more readily speak hate or mm. speak just unkind stuff than they are to speak, you know, positive or good vibes. I mean, you read any thread 
and it always undoubtedly goes into a neg- like somebody's hate and somebody's being crude and somebody's rude. Somebody's hating. Tell me, oh, yeah, they always Some are. Some little bitch got to come in there and hate. Um, actually, that's one of the things that I, I do plan on asking Sally about is how modern technology and conveniences mm. that we have now, there's a smartphone in our, our pocket, and that hasn't always been the case. Just 10 years ago, a smartphone was still relatively rare. Being able to connect to Twitter from any location was rare, let alone 50 years ago or 100 years ago. You just... It's the uh, official bird of Summersworth. Mm-hmm. Just uh, driving by. I wonder if we picked that up. If we pick the siren up, I'm keeping it in. It's the official bird of Summersworth. I'm so glad we have our studio here. I always feel so safe when the cops are peeling down the road with their sirens on. I'm like, man. You hear that like daily. I every, Like multiple times a day. Ambulance, it, everything. I was going to say, yeah, it's not just police. It's, it's the ambulances too. So it's it's obviously people getting shot. Hmm. So the ambulance has to take the people to the hospital and the cops have to try to find the shooter. And it's just yeah, we, a wonderful. We sew in the hood. Yeah, we in the hood, y'all. I mean, we keep it real. Like I want to keep it real, not to digress. We keep it real. We're in the fucking hood. Try us, motherfucker. You already know what it is. Come at us, Todd, Seamus. I got you. I'm going to kiss your face when I choke you out, dog. Whisper sweet nothings in your ear as you go night-night. Night-night. Night-night, because we're fucking we're hood. Kingston. Summersworth. Um, but that is one of the things that I plan on asking Sally about mm-hmm. is just how the impact of modern technology has increased our ability to um, call people mean names mm-hmm. that we don't know. I think that really opens the door. I mean, now you have access and you can say whatever the fuck you want and you can can, say it behind closed, like you can say it anonymously. Anonymously. Nobody's going to know who you are. So I feel like that can bring out the worst. Yeah. Because you're you don't really have to worry about kickback or somebody knowing who you are. Yeah. There's, there's really, I mean, you can be a pussy and be an asshole. You can be protected by anonymity and you can be a a total jackass to Mm -hmm. people. But that's sort of the, like the flip side of this thing, right? I mean, every, wonderful tool that's really great for us in the long run has a, a maybe a alternative use. It's like a double-edged sword. I mean, mm-hmm. the automobile is, is pretty awesome. If you've got to rush somebody to the hospital, you can save someone's life. But if you get shit-faced and you plow into a school bus, I mean, you could mm-hmm. kill somebody. So it's one of these things that it's a great tool when it's used correctly and properly and responsibly. And so maybe like a responsible use is a good idea for the internet as well. Mm-hmm. I trolled one person once. No shit. And is oh tro- my gosh, is trolling just like you say something mean to them, or what's the actual meaning of yeah, trolling? That's a that's actually a really really good question. So, as the resident expert of the internet and all things uh, online, I'll just go ahead and talk to you about trolling. Let me, let me tell you a little about trolling. Yeah. I mean, to boil it down really simply, it's being mean to someone online, Okay, but it's probably a little bit more like being mean to somebody online. Isn't just trolling, like emailing someone saying, fuck you, you're an asshole or calling them a name or something like that. That's not really trolling so much. I mean, trolling, there's almost a nuance to it where you're, you're trying to get, it, it sort of communicates that you're trying to get your kicks by upsetting these people and that you're doing it anonymously and maybe there's um, there's a legitimate discourse that's occurring like Sally Cohn's using Twitter to converse maybe uh, serious topics with people uh, but then a troll might jump into a thread that's public and respond publicly 
yet anonymously and kind of derail what's going on there. Do you always have to be anonymous? Um, no, you don't have to be anonymous. Of course, you can use your real name on any okay, of these then online. Okay, I still trolled. So I was following this workout person. Like she so like would a fitness post, person? She would post like different videos and um, workout stuff. And it started to bother me and other people. Like she used really, really skinny people. Like they were just so fucking skinny. In her workout routines? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so it just seemed... Like they were like... Portraying an unhealthy image. Like you mean they were like too skinny. They were more yeah. skinny than they should have been. Yeah, okay. they were too skinny. Okay. This lady looks like motherfucking Celine Dion right about now. I mean, they didn't look anorexic. They just okay. looked on the very low end of... Of skinny. Okay. And it just felt like not a good image to portray. And then I started reading like the comments, and the comments started to be like very dramatic and like a lot of people posting um, just all this shit. And and it actually became entertaining to read it. Mm -hmm. And so then I was drunk one night. And I decided it's a to shock. I so I decided to post something state along the lines of that I used to really appreciate looking at your stuff, but now I find it more entertain more or I look at it more to read all the comments and the entertainment and mm-hmm. I I think I said something can't remember the rest of what I said, but she responded very negatively to whatever I said. I can't believe that. And in my drunken head, I thought I was just giving, or at least maybe it was in my sober head the next day, I thought I was just giving her professional feedback. Yeah. And she was like, that was not professional feedback. And she's like, if you want to compare resumes or if you want to send my resume, your resume to me, I'll critique it. And it's not cool for you to say that to someone about their life, work, and blah, blah. I felt really yeah. bad. Well, that, that kind of response does tend to make you feel a little bit bad. And Total asshole. I shouldn't have said anything of what I said. Yeah. Well, but I mean, I, was drunk. I don't, I don't know what, where the resume thing. Cause I was critiquing her and I was critiquing her work. And so it was just her saying, you know, you're critiquing me if you want to send your shit over. I guess on the one hand, I kind of, I kind of appreciate what she's saying because you know, she's out here. She's trying to do something. She's trying to yeah, put her, her work thing. out there. Yeah. But on the other hand, you put your work out there. And if you have a legitimate complaint, like she's um, portraying. But I didn't say it in a. Okay. I didn't so you say just it weren't, in a professional, see. Cri- like constructive criticism way. I so said maybe it that, in a drunk the way yeah. that I told her I enjoy reading your comments more than your videos yeah. or something like that. Just not nice. Yeah. But in my head, I said something professional. Yeah. And then I realized what I did. So maybe that's a good lesson to uh, not leave comments when you've been drinking, folks. Yeah. Yeah. Is that you're probably more likely to be a dick. You're less inhibited. Totally. I mean, alcohol clearly removes inhibitions. That's something that's well documented. So alcohol makes um, you stupid. Yeah. So if your if your inhibitions are lowered, you might be more likely to make a post that uh, is kind of dickish. Thank you for that extremely relevant story. Yeah. I still, I guess, feel a little bit bad about it. Yeah. Well, Maybe I mean. I'll feel better now that I kind of let it out. That's something that um, Sally mentions in her book was there was a, a incident when she was very young. She must have been 10 years old or something. We're talking elementary school. And she uh, picked on one of her classmates at 10. 
And she feels feels guilty about it now, so much so that she writes about it in her book. She mm-hmm. even dedicated the book to the person. And so... Um, was she a bully? Or was it a one-time incident? It sounds like it was not a one-time incident, but this was like the clearest incident in her mind. At any rate, the the, the reason I bring it up is because it had such an impact on her that she still thinks about it and she still feels guilty about it even today. But it could be a good thing to have an incident like that that sort of makes you feel a little guilty because it's sort of a constant reminder not to be a dick again. Like I think guilt as a human emotion comes from a good place of trying to prevent you from repeating mistakes. So I don't think you should beat yourself up too much about something in the past, but I also I also feel like that little bit of guilt that you carry with you can be a good thing yeah. if it's motivation not to be a dick in future instances. So There was another incident in like junior high or high school, probably junior high, and this guy, he, he was like a total dork, but you know, people liked him. I don't know if he got picked on or anything, but he had, he had friends. He had like orange curly hair and glasses and mm-hmm. was like the smart nerd. Mm-hmm. And, but he had a lot of acne. And so he had this one zit that was like so white. And so I left a note on his deck, on his desk and just said, pop. Oh. <laughs> I so feel bad about that too. Well, I mean, the thing is too, like, I mean, it's not really an excuse and I don't want to say something like, oh, kids will be kids. But at the same time, it's like you do some shit. Yeah, we all do stuff we're not totally proud of. Like you kind of have to learn by acting like a dick and then feeling like, wow, the result of acting like a dick doesn't feel good. I want to be less of a dick in the future. And so I think ultimately like, yeah, it's bad to leave that kid a mean note. And how did that make him feel? Undoubtedly, it made him feel shitty. But at the same time, that's kind of how we grow as people too. And now he's a doctor, so... And now he's a doctor, so go fuck us, right? We're sitting here making a fucking podcast. This guy's fucking counting his doctor dollar bills. That's doctor pop to you, motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. So let's uh let's go ahead and talk to Sally and we will um as we're queuing up Sally here we'll we'll play a quick promo for one of our other friendly podcasts and uh, we will be right back with Sally Cohn. Why is Jamie Lannister such a compelling character? What is the best time machine from a movie? Why did Michael Scott need three vasectomies? To find out the answer to all these questions and so much more, check out a podcast about something. Each week on a podcast about something, we dive deep into whatever we find interesting. From movies and TV to sports and paranormal, we explore it all. Listen and subscribe to a podcast about something on your favorite podcast app. You can also follow us on Twitter at APA something or check out our website, a podcastaboutsomething.com. And always stay classy. So uh, welcome to the show, Sally. I appreciate you taking some time to speak with me today. I'm so excited to be on with you. I didn't know, I, I was expecting you to say more. I wasn't ready to do the, the witty repartee yet. I'm so sorry. Hi. <laughs> Would you like to do like a warm up? We can, <laughs> no, no. We, can um, we can do like a little back and no, forth, a little warm up no. exercise. Let's, I don't know. Let's go. Just <laughs> get it. Fantastic. Yeah. See, I want to just get right to it because, yeah. you know, I've, I don't want to, I tend to talk an awful lot. In fact, people tell me I talk too much. I, I think so far, so good. You keep going. It is all your show. Fantastic. I did want to focus primarily on the book that you've written, uh, came out last year. 
And I wanted to just open things up by asking you what inspired you to write The Opposite of Hate. Oh, boy. Um, I love a great open-ended question. I, uh, well, look, I mean, there were sort of two things, right? One was, and it's, it's sort of an obvious point, but we've got a problem with hate. We have a problem with hate historically in our country, uh, obviously to an extent in our world, but, but unfortunately increasingly driven by uh, dynamics in, in terms of sort of how the pervasiveness of American culture, et cetera. Um, we have a problem in the past. We have a problem in the present. And look, I don't think it necessarily has to be the most hateful time in history uh, for it to be bad enough that we have to do something about it. So there's sort of that meta motivation. And then at a, at a more personal level, you know, I had, um, been really wrestling with and encountering my own hate in all of its forms in, 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 you know, sort of, uh, white privilege and, and classism and, and those dynamics as well as, the sort of otherizing uh, and demeaning and dehumanizing of my political opponents and seeing that, uh, you know, which I kind of thought I had worked on uh, creeping back up. And so it seemed like a perfect time to really honestly for myself, as well as hopefully others, try to understand what's going on. Why is it we as human beings hate? What's going on psychologically, historically, biologically? And what can we do about it? How can we turn that around in ourselves and in our society. That was the obvious, you said that was the obvious answer? Well, those were the, 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 those were the two answers. Those were the, I gave you both. Okay, okay. Because I, I thought you might throw in the, the obvious answer was, uh, I like getting paid. I wrote a book. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, that's funny. If anyone thinks uh, that writing, like, don't get me wrong, uh, I was very, very fortunate. I got a... Um, uh, you know, I got an advance, which, uh, you know, allowed me to dedicate some of my time to book writing. And that was about it. So if anyone thinks that, uh, you know, uh, unless you're writing, uh, I don't know, you're Tom Clancy or something, book writing is not exactly the best bang for your buck. You really write a book because you a like writing and B have an idea that you want to put out in the world. You think will hopefully make a difference. Yeah. You're telling me my, uh, Vampire Diaries fan fiction is going nowhere. <laughs> Nobody wants to touch that shit. That's hysterical. Oh, are we allowed to curse in your podcast? You can say whatever the fuck you want. I usually... I feel very badly cursing in front of students. You know, once I get to graduate school, I feel like I'm talking to a graduate school audience. I feel like, all right, fine. But somehow I feel like I'm a corrupting influence, and that's not a good thing. Yeah, no, I started this podcast largely because I am a corrupting influence. And I thought maybe if I could sequester it to a corner of the internet where I can just kind of uh, do my thing and then I won't invade other spaces. You know, you show up at church, the grocery store. The, I mean, I, I do manage to hold down a job and uh, not usually say the F word in class either. But um, commonly, I like to joke with people. I say, you know, I would I would caution you against the N word, but otherwise, say whatever you like on my show. There are, there's a long list of words that people should be cautioned against. Not only uh, you know for for a whole host of reasons, least of which is or the most of which is that they're um, insanely offensive. Anyway, uh, but yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, although uh, every time I curse, I feel like everyone over fifty gives me a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> 
my mom won't listen to this podcast anyway. Okay, cool. Already too full of uh, of F words. Sorry, mom. (laughs) I am kind of interested in a lot of the topics as I was reading your book. I really thought like, wow, this is quite engaging for me because um, as I was reading it, I would... I would have a question in my mind and I would think, well, what about this? And typically the what about this question was one of the next things that you would then go on to write about. I said, oh, okay, well, shit, I had a perfectly good question for Sally and now I can't ask it because she got to it the next <laughs> chapter. So, Well, that makes me, that's lovely to hear. Thank you. That's really lovely to hear. You write a, a, about trolling and in fact, I even mentioned it in uh, at least one of your TED Talks too, I think, but... Um, that's something that, that kind of got me thinking, and it sounds like it's something that you experience pretty routinely as just part of your job. So, um, was the opposite of hate something that kind of came out of your experiences with that ugliness? Um, cause it seems like it's a little bit, it's kind of, uh, like a companion piece to your main gig as CNN commentator. A, a, a more direct impetus was actually my experience uh, making the shift from being a community organizer and activist to being uh, a TV commentator, and in particular, being a, a commentator on Fox News and having this experience where, you know, I thought I was someone working against hate. I had this idea of the folks on the right, certainly the folks on screen at Fox News, but their their viewers, their supporters, uh, being completely, totalistically, 24-7 hateful people. And I'm not sugarcoating some of their views and beliefs and things they say and things they support. I still think they're largely hateful and the having the experience of, you know, meeting these people who I had these ideas about and realizing that yes, they have these hateful views. Yes. They say these hateful things and can do hateful things. And sometimes are not just that, uh, recognizing these sort of very two dimensional hate monger caricatures I have were not, uh, necessarily hundred percent accurate and that people could, on certain issues or in certain moments surprise me with kindness, compassion, agreement, uh, or even just, uh, you know, still be hateful, but be just, you know, multidimensional people. And at the same time, I realized, wow, you know, here I am thinking I'm this great, uh, you know, campaigner against hate and whatever. And I, oh my God, I hate them. Like I had to really come to terms with the fact that I had all these stereotypes and generalizations and had painted them with broad brush and, and, it was that experience of kind of coming to terms with my own biases and blind spots uh, in that dimension that led me to, of course, want to understand and unpack them far more broadly, which is, you know, uh, like, you know, uh, too long, don't read. The shortcut <laughs> here is we all have our bigotries and biases. I'm not saying we're all equal. I'm not sugarcoating the most extreme kinds of hate or anything like that. But the truth is, is we tend to spend a lot of time focused on and fixated on them and their hate and, you know, which we perceive to be uh, worst and they did it first. And it's, and, and look, there's validity in that. There are, and especially in this moment in history, there are some incredibly overt, extreme, hateful forces and voices. And if we just focus on that, then we're letting ourselves off the hook. And the truth is we all have someone uh, or some group of people who we demean or dehumanize because of who they are or what they believe. And we do it in different degrees, uh, in different ways. And we have to hold ourselves accountable. The fact that there's someone out there who's more hateful than us can't be an excuse 
for, uh, you know, our own continuing issues. I see. So um, and if I'm not mistaken, it sounds like that particular viewpoint that you just voiced, you developed at least in some part by communicating directly with some of the people who trolled you the worst on Twitter. So it sounds like some of of your your current viewpoint on this, and that was expressed in your book, is kind of a byproduct of interacting with that trolling. I hesitate to call it a subculture, but I think that's pretty fair. I mean, look, yes, no. I, the, what it did was it made me interested in hate in all its different forms and in different places. So yes, it made me. Uh, you know, I spent time with ex neo Nazis and ex terrorists and people who participate in genocide. And yes, I called up some of my Twitter trolls because in, in fairness, those are the people, uh, you know, the kinds of hate I engage with most regularly and personally. Right. So like, that's where I, on a daily basis, am seeing, uh, a lot of hate and it made me curious. It made me curious about like, well, what's going, you know, and uh, why, 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 like I've never, I never send anyone a, you know, death threat over email or Twitter. I'd never attack someone's looks or pets or <laughs> in that sort of way. I've, I've criticized people's viewpoints, but I've tried to keep it at the level of ideas, not at the level of personhood, right? Yeah. Um, and and so it sure made me curious, yes, to call people up and find out like, okay, wait, what's really actually going on here? So as an aside, with all the friends that you've made writing that book, I'd love to be a fly on the wall at one of your holiday parties. That has to be great. Get all those people together in one room and feed them alcohol. That's going to be one hell of an oh, evening. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you feel like uh, with regard specifically to trolling, I mean, I, I, I kind of have two feelings about it. Like you said, you would never, you would never send somebody, tweet at somebody and uh, call them an evil name or or like uh, spew this vile uh, language toward them. But I mean, you're pretty busy too, right? I mean, <laughs> you know? No, wait a second. So are people who send hate mail and stuff. I mean, let's be clear. Like, we, you know, people are working harder than ever for less money than ever. Like people are busy. I just want to be clear. And what was interesting is, first of all, yeah. I was expecting a lot of bots. I don't have that many bots. I have an actual lot of real human being trolls. Part of that was just getting on the platform early, getting on Twitter early. I even before it was a cesspool, but there were obviously some cesspooly type qualities, and uh, and it, you know it had to do with being a liberal lefty lesbian on Fox News, which I guess I don't know draws out the trolls. But that's a surprise. Um, Shocking. I was surprised that I know they were uh, yeah, they were a range of people, right? Like they're young people, they're old, they're retired, they're you know, working in law firms, they're students, like they're people with busy lives too. Let's just be clear. Go on. So you don't, you don't think there's like a um, correlation, I guess, between being busy as hell and not really having time to, to get online and troll. I guess I was operating under a presumption prior to reading your, your book and talking to you that, that, um, you know, if you're, let's say you're, um, doing a 15 hour marathon surgery, like my ENT did on me a few years back, you, you got to rush home. You're trying to make dinner with your family and stuff like that too. It's like uh, 15 hours of surgery. Plus you're, you're racing to get home and, and eat dinner with the fam and help put the kids to bed. And it's like, um, when, when are you really going to like break out the phone to, to get online and call Sally Cone a mean name, you know, whatever people seem to, I mean, and that's the thing, right? Is like these platforms have made it 
incredibly easy and and by the way have made the uh you know costs social economic uh, doing so actually rather low and arguably have increased the um benefits doing so right you're more likely to get retweeted etc 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 so uh, i don't know but you know what i realized what i learned the better news here the positive news is that what i learned is when you actually meet you know people or talk to people right uh who are writing these horrific things sort of semi-anonymously online, the truth is that they're, you know, they're like normal people. And yeah, sometimes they say or think mean things, just like the rest of us. Uh, And sometimes they write them, by the way, just like the rest of us. Uh, And, you know, when confronted with real people, they don't mean to be hurtful. They say they don't mean to be hurtful. It's hard to square that circle, but I'm going to take people at their word that they didn't mean to be hurtful and they mean to be kind and they actually apologize without even being prompted and they're again complicated messy sometimes kind sometimes cruel sometimes right and so the problem is is you know look it's like again it's recognizing that it's very convenient for us to believe that there are good people and bad people right that there are evil people and good people and the truth is it's just that the totality of human existence tells us otherwise and to be honest, when we talk about structural problems in our society, we talk about, you know, structural racism or misogyny or classism, or, right? The, what we mean is that there are systems, institutions, cultural thumbprints, etc., that push us all in one direction or another. And some of us go further in one direction, and some of us, thank God, uh, you know, resist to varying degrees. But we have to recognize that, in fact— Hate is a cultural sort of geopolitical phenomenon. It is a it is a, a reality in our society, and it's not just something that infects certain kinds of quote unquote evil people. Indeed, I like the the word I like to think of is multifaceted with regard to folks. Is that they're not essentially one thing or another, but it's almost like. Um, the film Rashomon, or there's a, another film from the '80s, I believe, called Chan is Missing, and they're films that are structured in such a way as that you kind of get the narrative from a few different angles. You know, Rashomon, I think, is probably the most famous example of that type of of narrative structure where you get to see kind of the same events through a few different vantage points. And so you get this idea of um, kind of the subjectivity of experience. And so, you know, you ask the right person and and Jason's a pretty nice guy. He's all right. He studies hard. He works hard. You ask the wrong person. I'm a total dick. So <laughs> multifaceted is what I go with. But you you also seem to acknowledge that there is maybe a technological component that um, expedites our ability to be ruthless dickheads online. I imagine like, <laughs> say it's... Um, Say it's like the 1880s, right? And I want to tell somebody online to go eat a dick. I, you know, I, I don't have a smartphone in my pocket. What do I got to do? I got to, I got to get outside. It's winter here. There's snow on the ground. I got to go saddle up my horse, trudge through the snow. I got to ride three hours to town so I can hit the Western Union so I can telegram somebody to go eat a dick. The stupid telegram is transcribed with Morse code. So I got to sit there for like 15 minutes while this dude is punching out the dots and dashes. And then by this time, I don't even remember why I was pissed at in the first place. My tuberculosis is acting up. Val Kilmer's out in the street having a shootout with Johnny Ringo outside the office. And I'm like, fuck it. I'm just going to go home and drink moonshine. I don't, you know, the smartphone, I don't have to go through all that. I can just whip it out, say, go eat a dick and, and uh, move on with my life. Do you think the technology has, has kind of impacted maybe our, um, 
maybe not our our better angels, but but uh, maybe the, the the demon on our shoulders now, like, hey, just get out your phone. In thirty seconds, you can tell this person to go eat a dick online. Right. There's a lot in there for me to unpack, but what I'll start with is, um, is, is yeah, ostensibly you're correct. Right. And even if like, let's go back in time when we, uh, you know, once upon a time, maybe you and I would be sitting on a couch and we would think something horrible about, you know, your next door neighbor or even think something. horrible. Oh yeah. My next door neighbor's a dick. I, I'm, I'm thinking about it right now. I'm thinking about that next door neighbor right now. That guy leaves his trash can out there for four days. I'm like, come on, man, you bring that in as eyesore. <laughs> so imagine we're thinking that, or even we're thinking it about like someone on te- television or a public figure or whatever, you know, it, that would basically stay between us. Right. And now we have this, we all have this incredibly powerful and, and often very positive tool in our pockets where suddenly our little private moment of hate can become public. And that is, again, like, I don't think, I happen to think, I happen to think Twitter in particular is a cesspool. I happen to think that Twitter as a company has not done remotely what they could or should to get rid of the kinds of trolling and nastiness, uh, not to mention fake news and infiltration and other things on their platform because they apparently don't see any business interest in doing so. But but I do think inherently, right, tools are only as good as we use them. And we shouldn't lose sight of the many, many good things that have been accomplished through the digital age and especially through social media. And the fact remains that this is why we have cyberbullying and we have cyberbullying done by kids and we have cyberbullying done by adults. And in a way, you think it's not as bad as in person. And to an extent, that's true. Like if I have a choice, I'd rather have 100 people attack me online than one person attack me on the street. Totally would make that choice. And it doesn't mean that having 100 people attack you online doesn't feel, in fact, quite noisy, overwhelming, upsetting, and consequential, especially if you're not used to it. Um, And this is the kind of thing that is now incredibly easy for people to do. So the problem becomes, okay, then what stops us? Right? What stops us? And what's interesting to me, and, and look, I hold all people accountable on this. I want all people to do better. And I particularly want people like myself, progressives, liberals, who say that we want to treat everyone with equality and dignity and fairness and kindness. And in fact, believe that's why we do the work we do is to get more and more people uh, individually and in our laws and institutions to treat everyone with equal dignity and respect. And do we treat everyone with equal dignity and respect? Even people who we don't like, even people who don't treat us with equal dignity and respect. To me, that's that's the hard question. I see. So uh, given that um, we probably agree that technology has sort of expedited our ability to um, be assholes or even worse, to complete strangers online, I, I can't imagine that it's an extremely recent phenomenon. Like it must, uh, my, my instinct or my gut is that it must play into um, some maybe kind of uh, more base urge that has existed predated it certainly predated Twitter or the internet. Like I'm imagining, um, like the mean writing that you would see on bathroom walls. I mean, and that dates back to, I don't know when bathrooms are invented, but you know, you'd see something in the stall, like uh, fuck that Jason guy, his podcast is dumb. Don't download it. That was oddly specific, but, um, <laughs> you kind of, you kind of get the idea. Is there something that maybe predated? Do you feel like there's um, like Twitter and and the internet, other platforms similarly to that are tapping into something that that predated them. 
Yeah, I mean, that's right. And yet it, it amplifies it. And like we look, look, the problem is, is okay, great. It actually is a great analogy. So let's take that analogy. So you're sitting in that bathroom stall, you see somebody wrote something nasty on it. And you might be more inclined to write something nasty too. Say you've got a pen handy in your pocket and you figure, why not? 10 other people have already done it. I'm going to do it too. Uh, you're sitting there, you're bored, you've got free time, and you're surrounded by an environment in which that seems to be the norm. Mm-hmm. We know that's true online as well. So for instance, there have been studies. Uh, I cite a bunch of them in my book, but just to pick one, there's one study where you have people, uh, subjects, they're online, they're supposed to read an article and write a comment. And at the end of the article, the, the three comments that they see, the first three comments they see are negative, nasty, troll-like comments. People are are literally twice as likely to leave a nasty comment in that condition where they've already seen that three other people have done so, right? And I mean, this is a controlled situation, reading the same article, same shit, right? It, that's the only variable. And mm-hmm. so we know, right, that negative begets negative, hate begets hate, right? Ugliness begets ugliness, nasty, right? And that this is all about the kind of culture and climate we create. And, and so if that's what we see, if that's what we're surrounded by, if that's what's amplified, uh, if that's, by the way, what we socially validate, even through our outrage, right? Like, you know, when people do nice things, when people say nice things about each other, that ain't making the news. That ain't trending on Twitter. It's it's the nasty statements. It's the attacks. It's the missteps. And in a way, uh, you know, in, in an attention economy, attention is attention. So negative attention, if you can't get good attention, negative attention will have to do. And so all of this serves this kind of mm-hmm. vortex of, um, you know, nastiness in a digital space that unfortunately is, is then amplifies. And then by the way, also has real life effects, uh, offline as well. For sure. So pro tip, um, always take a Sharpie with you to the bathroom <laughs> is pro tip number one. So you can write something nice on the stall. I mean, you don't have to write... <laughs> You don't have to write something mean about my podcast. You can write how funny it is. Yeah, write yeah. something nice on the bathroom wall. I also imagine another analogy is like it goes back even further than that. I'm imagining like 100,000 BC. And um, one of my ancestors, he looks just like me, except he's got a unibrow going across mm-hmm. the top. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's got like this big furrowed unibrow. And he like walks into the, the cave or whatever. And there's this like big cave painting of a buffalo and shit and there's like a caption under it that says uh jason fat and smelly like buffalo or something like that i mean i'm imagining it goes way way back Mm -hmm. because i i think my ancestor would have trolled my other ancestors i think a little well i think your ancestors trolling your ancestors is how we got you (laughs) could be could have been sorry sorry i was right there so i took it it was no i set you up and you knocked him down but that brings me to one of my ideas here I would only do with you right now. I wouldn't do that online. That'd be mean, right? You know what? But if I give you permission to, if I say, you know what, it's okay if you make fun of me a little bit. Right, but you're a stranger. You're not a stranger, right? It's a different, you know, the kinds of things we now say and write about perfect strangers are really shocking. Yeah, and I mean, I still think you brought, you could probably hurt my feelings. I'm not trying to portray myself as like invincible and impervious to any and all insults. I mean, I'm really quite sensitive. I'm, I'm pretty sure somebody out there could make me cry if they wanted to. But that sort of brings me to something that I was thinking a lot as I was reading your book and watching your TED Talks is that, um, mm. you know, I'm, I'm trying to do a comedy podcast. I'm trying to make this thing funny. Of course, I want to talk to people like yourself that have 
important ideas that I also want to help share and that I think spur really interesting conversation. But um, I, I think at the heart of it, I still want to crack a few jokes too, because mm-hmm. the whole time I'm reading your book, I'm writing this shit down about Val Kilmer and the tombstone pops into my head. I don't know why, but I'm just imagining a scenario of me trying to troll somebody without the internet. And it's like 120 years ago, but at any rate, um, I, you know, I'm kind of having these funny thoughts and, and it happens all the time. It happens when I'm on Twitter. It happened today. In fact, it happened today. One of, uh, a friend of mine, a fellow, uh, com- comedy podcaster and a friend of mine posts an image of herself from when she was in high school. And it's a photo. I don't, I, I hope she didn't go to prom dress like this, but, um, it's a picture of her. And so I, I see it. And like my first, like, I don't know, like seven and a half instincts are like, oh, you know, like roaster, 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 you know, like write something mean and funny or write something. I didn't think the word mean, but like, I'm thinking, okay, I got to have a humorous response. I mean, I guess I could keep walking, right? I could just say, all right, you know, hey, you look nice. I hit the little heart button. on. When in doubt, you know, they say that when in doubt, don't say anything. Exactly. My mom used to say, um, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. So I didn't post on Twitter for like seven years. <laughs> uh, no, I wound up, I wound up kind of crafting a response in my head that was very, very toned down from my first couple. I just asked her if I asked her how many times she'd watched the movie Aladdin before buying that outfit. Cause Ooh. she, she was dressed like princess Jasmine. She had the big pants. She had the, the tiny top, the, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get the idea. She looked just like Princess Jasmine. So I thought that's a much nicer thing than it was less mean than the first couple of things that popped into my head, just to kind of expose my thought process a little bit. Uh, Kudos for not making a meaner choice. You know, I don't I think everybody has to have their own personal thing around this. Right. And by the way, I've broken. I've screwed up. I've done it. I've said or tweeted or written mean things and regretted it or not regretted it, but now in hindsight do. Right. So, um, I, I think I try to have, uh, well, first of all, I think in this day and age, it's always safe to sort of say like, when in doubt, just don't like, don't tweet, don't whatever. But Indeed. beyond that, I try to have a sort of personal code around this. And I think everyone should, uh, which is I'm not going to attack anyone's appearance. Uh, I'm, uh, going to try not to attack anyone's essence, right? I will criticize. And, and people, you know, this comes up a lot in the context of my book, but you can hate behavior. You can hate beliefs, right? It's different than hating people. Yeah. Because then you believe people can change. And in fact, by the way, the core of the work I do and why I do what I do is because I want people to change. Indeed. So I have to act in a way uh, and, and, and carry out the belief that people can in fact change. And so I don't condemn them in these sort of totalistic kinds of ways. And then, you know, if you're like really going for the the brass ring on this one, I think you also stop when you hear a situation or a moment and you think, well, it's okay, you know, I'm going to criticize the other side or, you know, whatever for X or Y or Z. Think about if it was happening on your side, would you have the same reaction? We often tend to have this kind of hypocritical blind spot mm. where we excuse Oh, I was just joking. Well, but if someone said it to you and you didn't find it funny, right? So, uh, you know, sort of that 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 kind of take perspective taking, I think, is very helpful. Yeah. And you know, this isn't, by the way, I'm not like trying to shut people up. I think people should. I don't know. I'm very old school about this. People should, um, you know, uh, be kind and respectful, and a- asking people to do that 
and to regulate themselves in accordance with a inclusive democracy, I think is uh, ultimately a good thing. I would agree. Um, I, I, you know, I have sort of a similar policies. And I think the only reason why I uh, made any kind of remark at her photograph was because we're friends and we uh, podcast together sometimes. And, you know, we, that's part of the deal. We kind of go back and forth a little bit. Normally a stranger, I would have kept walking, but I think maybe that's why um, a lot of like funny people and comedians tend to be very self-deprecating because that's kind of a, a safe space, right? I mean, I can totally rag on myself for whatever. I can say whatever I want about me. And then I'm not necessarily offending anybody. <laughs> Maybe my mom. I don't know. She made me. Well, but we already determined that we're offending your mom no matter what we do. Um, uh, I think uh, I think that's right. I, th- I mean, there's there's whole analyses about why comedians, you know, choose to be self-deprecating and, you know, why that's a strategic choice, right? And, yeah. you know, and I, I guess to me, self, you know, it's interesting to unpack it, but like self-deprecating in comedy is comparable to being self-critical in life in general, right? Like you want to go about life, not just always pointing at others and criticizing the behaviors of others, but spending mm-hmm. a good, if not more, larger portion of your time actually looking at yourself. Yeah, I think you've got to be able to turn that lens on yourself a little bit too, because uh, otherwise then you really come off as a prick if you roast other people. If you're uh, pointing out things that you've um, seen or experienced, you know, you're kind of making these humorous observations about stuff. It can sound kind of bad if you turn that on everybody else, but yourself, I think you do kind of have to come back to yourself and say, Hey, I'm not, I'm the main source of my own comedy. So thoroughly and entirely, I want to let you tell people where they can get a hold of you, your work, your books, et cetera. Oh, uh, they can uh, find me at Sally Cohn, K-O-H-N.com, uh, or at Sally Cohn, K-O-H-N, across Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I don't understand Snapchat, so don't look for me there. I don't get it either. And Thank you. And uh, you can buy my book, The Opposite of Hate, A Field Guide to Repairing Our Humanity, wherever books are sold. And... Jason, this was thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly fun. You are indeed quite exceptionally funny. I'm saying this both for your benefit of your listeners and your mom. Okay, thank you. Uh, yeah, get that drop. We're gonna. Yeah, it's, I know it's been a year since anyone said that, but yeah, we're gonna. We're gonna. Uh, yeah, we're gonna say. It. Okay, thank you for saying that. <laughs> we're gonna. We're gonna save that one for later. Okay. All right. All right. Cool. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. Sorry, sorry about the time crunch. No worries. Uh, I really appreciate your time. Thank you again for talking to me. And um, we'll see you when you come to University of New Hampshire in March. Oh, yes, that's right. And I am coming to the University of New Hampshire. You are. You are, indeed. True. It's not even just a rumor. In March. March uh, 6th. Okay. Thank you very much. And uh, I'll see you in March. Thanks for the great conversation. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. And we're back. Hey. Hi. I hope everybody enjoyed uh, our talk with Sally Cohn. I always appreciate it when a guest is polite enough to laugh at all of my jokes, you guys know now why Sally Cohn has such a reputation for being a nice person. She's really, she's very well known. That's like part of her reputation is that she's a nice person. And apparently she's also got a wicked good sense of humor because she laughed at a lot of my jokes. So thank you, Sally, for that, as well as being on the show. She's fucking awesome. She is pretty fucking cool. I really want to go see her. Yeah, I'm quite looking forward to seeing her talk at UNH. I hope if you're... In the Durham area, if you're in New Hampshire, go to UNH. She's at the MUB. 
Wednesday, March 6th at 7 p.m., I believe, is when the, the talk begins. She'll be addressing an audience. And it's going to be, I, I'm, I'm anticipating it's going to be good times. I'll be sure to um, color my hair for that day if I'm going on campus. <laughs> I, don't I know. I look all old. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll spray those grays. Yeah. Spray, spray the gray grays. away. Spray the grays. In honor of having Sally Cohn on our show this week, Let's do a little bit of Walmart douchebag of the week. We had a nice little encounter with a uh, motherfucker. Yeah, I was going to say gentleman, but then it Fuck felt that he doesn't like deserve a lie. Gen- yeah, he yeah, a gentleman. Didn't, it didn't feel ac- accurate for what he was. He was not a gentleman. He was anything but a gentleman. He was a, a schlubby looking little dick uh, who who just probably does have a little dick. He probably does. Yeah, I mean, he's not pleasing anybody with that thing. Come on. Let's be no. real. Yeah, let's be it's not like this Coke can over here. Come on. Yeah. Let's be serious. We have to find it first. Yeah. Probably can't find it. Maybe that's why he's so angry because he probably might can find be. his pee-pee. Yeah, because, I mean, he is quite the belly. We were talking about you, not me. Uh, we're not talking to you at all, Siri. What, what, are you, what are you butting in for? I didn't even say, hey, Siri, why do you think I'm talking to you? She responded to something we said. She did. Schlub or little pee pee. Schlub, little pee pee. She's like, wait a minute. Motherfucker. We're talking about you, not me. I'm like, Ah. even this bitch (laughs) wants to roast me. Even this bitch wants to roast me. What the fuck, Siri? You're not on the invite list for the roast next week, dog. (laughs) Jeez, Siri. Even Siri wants to roast me. This is completely inappropriate. You should actually cut that in. I'm fucking cutting that in. That's staying in, goddammit. Fucking Siri roasting me with this micro penis shit. I fucking had it. That's wicked funny. <laughs> Did you fucking program her to say that shit? Did you I fucking program her to say that shit? I wouldn't even know how to do that, honey. Well, I believe you because it's true. You wouldn't know how to do that. No, I wouldn't. So we were we were saying the douchebag in the Walmart, which is it describes ninety five percent of Walmart shoppers. But the douchebag tell the story. <laughs> the douchebag in the Walmart. So I would like for you to tell the story about the douchebag in the Walmart that we encountered when we were checking out and leaving a Walmart. Okay, so we were getting we were walking out, and there was this family, a Hispanic family, and they were sitting or they were gathered by a bench, and they were talking <clears throat> in their native tongue, Spanish. And this douchebag, yeah, this douchebag walks by and he was like this big dude, looked like a redneck. I think he was wearing sweatpants. He was wearing sweatpants. And I don't know if he had like a flannel on. He did not. I'll describe his... his, Yeah, I can't remember. I'll describe his physical appearance in a moment once you've relayed the story. So he walks past them and... He was, I don't know if he, if they heard him or, but he was like English. Did he call them a name? Did he just say English or he was he like English. English, you assholes? He or didn't, no, okay. he didn't say any of that. Don't but embellish the story. I'm, I was just wondering because I didn't actually hear him say yeah. anything. So maybe they didn't, hopefully they didn't hear him say it either yeah. because I didn't hear him say it. I mean, I heard it. Yeah. So maybe they did. Maybe they did hear him say it. So, but I've people, heard of people doing that, like where they just get yeah. really upset if there's somebody not speaking their native tongue. Yeah. Like, fuck off. Let me let me hop in here now and say that we were following this gentleman out of the store. So he was walking in front of us, and you brought my attention to him with plenty of time for me to uh, appraise his physical appearance. And let me tell you, he might have been giving them some shit for not speaking English, 
but I fucking guarantee you, he doesn't read it. Oh, that's right. You said that, that motherfucker took one look at that motherfucker. If he made it past third grade, I'll be surprised. If he reads anything that's not a fucking pop-up book, I will fucking shit my pants. What was he wearing? He was wearing sweatpants, just as you described. They looked like the type of clothes that you would wear if you were like painting your house, right? Just grubby stuff you don't care about. He was wearing a hoodie, much as I am right now, except I'm not ragging on Hispanic folks for speaking Spanish to each other. So he just looked like a total schlub, overweight, actually quite overweight, maybe not in the morbid obese category, but certainly pushing a BMI of greater than 30. This guy really didn't have enough going on for himself. He's walking out of a Walmart, mind you. He didn't have enough going on for himself that I felt at least he should be criticizing others. Like, I appreciate that you speak English, but you definitely don't read it. You definitely don't do any math. I don't know what you do for a living, but you, you're not hopping. He wasn't hopping into a Mercedes AMG and driving off, peeling off down the road, right? The guy was probably hopping in some beater Ford from 1989. The dude looked like total shit. I'm like, you live in a fucking glass house, motherfucker. What are you doing throwing stones at these people? I was like, you a schlubby looking motherfucker. You ain't shaved and ugly looking. I'm like, you're a fucking peach, right? Mm-hmm. You're, I mean, you're just a fucking prize. Your wife's got to be so fucking proud. She yeah. gets to see you naked. She if gets to smell married. your nutsack. If he's married, right? Because he was pretty un- insufferable in the 30 seconds that we were around him. And so maybe. But there's probably women who feel the same way. So maybe. Yeah. No, there's totally other people who feel that way. For sure, for sure. I just don't understand. I, I that just bothers me. I just think it's so ignorant. Well, and it's unnecessary too. Like, do you need these people to speak English? They're not talking to you. They're totally not addressing not you. Like you don't own the Walmart. Exactly. You don't own this area. Anybody has the right to fucking live here and speak how they want. So fuck off. He's in a Walmart. Don't leave the house if you want to hear English. You're walking into a Walmart and you don't expect to hear a couple of other fucking languages. Get the fuck out of here. It's Walmart. Do you know where you're shopping? You're going to hear other languages in a fucking Walmart. If you don't like it, grow your own fucking cabbage, exactly. asshole. Exactly. Don't leave the house. Geez, I wonder if the television gets stuck on Telemundo or some shit, like if he just has a total conniption fit and just starts throwing shit at the wall or something like that, like, mm-hmm. you know, just flipping out, like, oh my God, Univision is fucking stuck on the TV. I can't believe they got this Spanish-speaking shit on TV. I know. I'd be interested to understand why, like, just the um, opinions of somebody who feels that way, because I just fully don't understand. I that. want to be a fly on his wall. I want yeah. to hear what his dinner conversations are like. Yeah. Like, damn it. I don't know why God had to create all these different languages. Shit, it's bullshit. Come to my country, speak my language, motherfucker. Except they're not talking to you. Yeah. If you're not talking to me, I don't give a fuck what language you're speaking. I'm not, you're not intending your words for me, right? I don't need to understand. Mm-hmm. I keep fucking walking. I mind my own fucking business. Yeah. Well, he should just mind his own fucking business. They're not speaking English. He shouldn't even notice that they're not speaking English because he should mind his own fucking business. Walk out of the Walmart, go to your car, go home. Who gives a fuck? They're not talking to you. Are strangers speaking Spanish to each other and you're going to get upset? I, I don't get it either. I feel like there's things in life that you can get upset about. There's tons of shit to be upset about. There's starving kids. There's wars. There's violence even here in our hometown. The houses burning down. People starving. I mean, fucking volunteer. Try to make the world a better place. Instead, complain about a couple of people speaking Spanish to each other at a fucking Walmart of all places. What do you expect? I'd like to see that guy last one fucking week in Florida, though. Yeah. Yeah. So I promised to never think about that douche at the Walmart again. I just thought it was funny that that occurred. 
at the same time, I was reading this book and I thought, wow, you know, we're going to bring that back up on the show because we kind of experienced it in a microcosm. I mean, he didn't he didn't harm these people, but he was rude to them. and Not even to them. I don't think they heard. It's not like he went home and had a private conversation with his wife about it. I mean, he right. did say it in public. And so there was theoretically the, the possibility that they could have heard him. And so, you know, I mean, he was rude and that was dickish of him. And I think ultimately he's probably the one who suffers for his own uh, dickish biases. But, mm-hmm. oh, well, I'm not losing oh, any well. more sleep over it. Fuck him. Fuck him in his fat sweatpants wearing ass. He can fuck right off. Go keep shopping at Walmart. In other news, mm. uh, this is something that we haven't really had a chance to talk about yet. Mm, I'm intrigued. Yeah. Aren't you? You, you look intrigued. intrigued. Yeah. I wish you guys could see this. Edge I wish this wasn't just a seat. podcast. Yes. You really did. You kind of scooched forward to the edge of your seat. It was um, pretty incredible the way you just perked up there. Incredible. Uh, we are now a member of a brand mm. new, brand spanking new. I had a lot to do with it. Podcast network. You had so much to do with it. So much to do with it. Yeah, you had absolutely zero to do with it. (laughs) But you know what? You're riding my coattails. I I don't care. We're going to bring you along. We're going to take you along for the ride. We are now a founding member with hashtag no offense, Simmons and More Podcast, the Hood Diner Podcast, and the Plunge Podcast. Yeah. We are founding members of the Inner Circle Podcast. Podcast network. How fucking badass is that? So badass. So what is that? What's the like mission of the network? You know, the one line mission is fuck shit up. That's quite the mission. We're gonna fuck we're here to fuck shit up. What's the longer mission? Um we're still working on that. <laughs> but we're gonna start with fucking shit up. Okay, I think that's a good place to start. Our our mission is to be rowdy motherfuckers online and to mm. say hilarious shit and record it and publish it on the internet. You know, it's it's really about like fostering a community and using that community to fuck shit up, like I was saying. That sounds like the longer mission. Just yeah. saying. What if the drunk bitches are in rehab? Um, you know what? I hope they're doing something because they drank a lot. I hope they're doing something. I hope they're doing some yoga. I hope they're drinking some green tea. Take care of yourself, ladies, because, I mean, look, your health is important. You only get one liver. I know it'll regenerate, but still, cirrhosis is a real thing. Fibrous real connective thing. tissue grows in place of normal healthy tissue. And guess what? Shit ain't moving through the liver so good no more. I'm not familiar with the 27 rings. Adam and Bobby don't ever shut the fuck up about it. They're like, ah, 27 uh, rings. You already know 27 rings. Ah, you already know 27 rings. We out here, 27 rings. You know what I mean? I'm more familiar with their ah thing than I heard that a lot. I don't recall hearing them say 27 rings. Yeah, that's a lot. It was really overshadowed by their ah, 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 ah thing. Ah, 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 yeah, no shit. Doesn't mean they got 27 rings. It means they ain't got shit. Ooh, shots fired. These These are our boys. This is our network. Oh wow! Shots fired. I don't. I don't know if I'll. I might have to edit that out. Jeez. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> oh, jeez. I don't know. We're your people, man. Jason dot at teamalmy dot com. Hit me up. Mm-hmm. Be cool with us. Yeah. Tweet us at s h w y p n. Hit me up, honey. Yeah. It's been wonderful. It's been a great little week having Sally Cohen on the show and then us being able to record together again. It has. It's been lovely. It has been lovely. We're coming at you next week. We got a roast. We got a one-year anniversary celebration. Yes, sir. It's going to be a complete festival of fuckery. People are going to mock and deride us. They're going to make fun of us. It's going to be incredible. If you wanted to hear all of these savage, hilarious motherfuckers talk mad shit on us. Savage. Savage. They're going to do it. Next week, 
be ready. One year anniversary of shit happens when you party naked. Yeah. So put your boner pants on because we're having a roast. Until next time, honey. We out. Your boner pants. A fraud from the start. Part of this was a You're like Dr. Jekyll and Mrs. Hyde <laughs> over there. Man, I'm just an asshole tonight. Suck my dick from the back. Sniff that when you back there. Mmm, you like that shit? Suck it. Boom. Mm-hmm. We out here. Todd Seamus. <laughs>